This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on authenticity, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season three of the podcast. Hi, I'm Rachel, and I have to make the bed every morning. I once bumped into Kanye West, and I am a Google stalker. Hi, I'm Janelle. My current style icon is Dora the Explorer. I no longer miss my eyelash extensions, and seeing people accomplish their dreams makes me cry. Hi, I'm Lauren. I'm a crazy cat lover. I'm a certified nutritional therapist, and I'm a self-proclaimed Topo Chico addict. And we are your host of the True North Collective podcast. Are you from Texas? How do you know about Topo Chico? I am not. I literally was like on mute going like, oh my God, oh my God. I am not from Texas. I am originally from California, but I discovered Topo Chico on a trip to Austin with yeah. my husband. And then it was amazing because I drank it like nonstop while I was there. And then when we came back, we walked into Whole Foods in San Luis Obispo, which is where we live, and walked in to Whole Foods and there they were, the cases. So now we just get them by the case and we almost get them by the, the two case per week. Yeah. It's bad. They they have them at Costco here. Oh, really? So, yeah, so we get them in like the whatever that pack is. It's crazy. It's okay. so good. I, don't. I know. You, it's so crazy because it's like, it can't be that much better, but it is so much better. It is significantly better. Like I can't even look at a LaCroix anymore. I know. <laughs> okay, so I'm not like fully on the Tobo Chico train, and I knew the second Lauren said that I was like, "Oh, Rachel's like geeking out over there." Because yeah, you, <laughs> Courtney, like there's a cult following of Tobo Chico fans apparently that have come across this podcast. But like, is it what makes it different? Is it like the different? Is it different water? Like, is that a dumb question? What makes it better? special spring that it comes from in Mexico and Dylan and I were actually going to go visit it this weekend but it's closed off to the public and but a lot of the water in Texas has like the backstory of like a crazy person went to the well and then they got better um but it's from this very specific well in Mexico and then I think it's just a lot more fizzy like the fizziness lasts so much longer yeah I could leave a Topo Chico on the counter for like over 24 hours and it would still be fizzy. Yeah, that's exactly what I would say too. It's just so much, it is just so much better. And I'm also a weird water person. Like I'm very specific about water. So I feel like I found my home with Topo Chico. <laughs> I am too. I feel like um, we should be friends. <laughs> what are the I other agree. waters that are important? to you like what are the other things that are weird because I want to know if mine are similar well I refuse to drink tap water mm-hmm. um which I think is pretty fair yeah I do there's certain water bottles that I like bottled water that I won't drink it I, like sound, I sound so ridiculously privileged right now I mean I know that's okay so I'm many coming from a <laughs> that do this like I'm I coming from people. a place yeah, I'm coming from a place of understanding how privileged this sounds, but it's still my truth. So, yeah, I won't drink Crystal Geyser. It's really, oh, yeah. It, yeah. it's not good. I'm a big smart water gal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I the the water that we have at our the studio that my husband and I own 
our fitness studio is so good. So I will just avoid filling up a water bottle until I get there. <laughs> if just... you if you ever go to Milwaukee, they have some of the best tap water in the country. Really? Oh yeah. It's like so well filtered and like it's crazy. It's okay. so good. Yeah. Noted. Noted. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's because it was so bad for so long. Yeah. <laughs> it's like now it's terrible. The and they're like, oh, we got to fix this. And then they yeah, created the best. But yeah, it, I I always forgot that because in Milwaukee, I, I did have a water filter, I think, in my fridge. Yeah. And my, my last place I lived. But for the most part, yeah, I always drank the tap water. I was like, oh, I don't know. And I also grew up on well water. What do you guys think about well water? That's a hell no. I don't know if I've ever had had it. Is that weird? Um, it has a taste. It has a taste to it. <laughs> I think it's pretty earthy. Because yeah, it's I'm not straight from a well. I'm not sure about that. Not sure about that. But <laughs> I know can what? try it and report back. <laughs> you know what though? Um, they have this water here called Crazy Water, and I'm obsessed with it. In but a lot of people, so there's levels to it. And it's the amount of extra minerals that they put in the water. And so like level four, a lot of people don't really like it because they're like, it tastes oily, which I don't think it does. Mm-hmm. But I've been somebody who's added like um, drops of, you know, you can get, I can't remember the names of them, but there you can get like special mineral that, that you, minerals that you, it's a liquid that you add to your water and it makes it just, it adds the essential minerals that we just don't get from our water anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it has a specific taste to it, but I really like it. So if you ever make it back to Texas, you, you got to try this, the crazy water and see what you think about that too. Crazy water for a crazy human. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm Pretty speaking much. of me, me. me <laughs> this, no, that's okay. Instance. I take that as a, yeah, I take that as a compliment. I'll be crazy all day. <laughs> you said oily water and I almost like, whoa. Well, you can't, my my suggestion would not be go, don't go straight to the level four. That's what I did because that's what I do. But I also, somebody told me it's added minerals and I used to add minerals to my water. So I was like, I think I'm going to be okay. But I was nervous. I I loved it. But people are like, you got to work your way up. You can't just go straight for the level four. Well, I mean, you can, but then you maybe will never drink it again and gain its benefits. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. And then even if I don't like it, I'm like, it's great. Is that? It's totally good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I want to hear this Kanye story. And how have I never heard that you bumped into Kanye? I know. So, I know. So I this morning, I was like, what are my facts, Dylan? And then he's like, what's your favorite Bulls player? Because I grew up in Chicago. And he's watching the Bulls documentary. And I was like, Scottie Pippen. But, like, I don't want to say that. And then... He's like, have you talked about bumping into Kanye West? I'm like, I had to have. And so then I was like, even if it's a repeat, I'll do it. I don't think um, you so have. I, I like, know, I what? must not have. It's an embarrassing story. So we, my family lives in Southern California. And when my dad, my dad used to work for um, Johnson & Johnson in the sterilized products division. He's a biomedical engineer. And so he, he was high up. So he had got tickets to the Lakers game. And I had always wanted to go I I don't whatever it doesn't matter it's like yeah I want to go to the Lakers game and so um we get there and when we pull it we got like special parking we get to park in a special parking lot at across the street and when we get out I'm like in ripped jeans and flip-flops 
and my mom and I don't really dress up or anything. So we're just like, okay. And we see this group of ladies walk past with like super high heels, like crazy dresses, makeup. And we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I'm like, oh my God, mom, like, do you have to be dressed up to go to a Lakers game here? <laughs> she's like, I don't know. Right? <laughs> LA. Yeah. She's like, I don't know. Right? I'm like, oh my God, this is so crazy. I have to go to the bathroom. And so we go to the bathroom. And there's like a red carpet and we're like, what? I'm like, what is going on? So we come out of the bathroom and we go to like cross the street and all of a sudden this huge limo escalade thing pulls up and out pours these like group of guys. And one of them who's really short, it's Kanye West. And my mom and dad, <laughs> my mom and dad don't know it's him. So they're like walking through the group of guys. <laughs> like they're like, excuse us, excuse us. And then. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And so he walks up right in front of me because there's nobody else there. And I think he's like waiting for me to be like, can I get your autograph? Can I get a picture? Something. And I just literally <laughs> stared at him <laughs> with my jaw, like probably just like, uh. And like, it was so awkwardly long that he finally was just like, okay. And then he walked away. <laughs> and then... I like kind of came to and um, my ex-boyfriend at the time was just like, why didn't you do anything? Why didn't you do anything? I was like, I don't know. I literally don't know. I just, I did, I couldn't find words. I was just like, it was like so surreal that I just, I, yeah, I said nothing. And so Kanye West literally walked up to me <laughs> and I did nothing. And so he was bored and he walked away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so what ended up, so that would have been like a normal thing because celebrities are at um, Lakers games all the time, but apparently it was the AMAs. So the parking garage that we were parked in, we're at the building where the AMAs were. And so when we were, all those things were for the AMAs. So when we crossed over to the Staples Center, all of a sudden we saw all the signs for the AMAs. <laughs> we didn't even know it was the AMAs. And then, so then we just waited outside and saw like all the celebrities getting ready for that. But it was yeah, so it was kind of crazy. Cool, Lauren. Have you ever met a celebrity in person? I was just thinking about that, and Rachel, I have to say this is so funny, and I just have to say this before we move on because right when you said my parents live in Southern California and my dad works for Johnson and Johnson, my like I had, I was like, no way. My so I'm originally from Southern California, and my parents still live down there. I don't know what part of Southern California, but my dad, his entire career worked for Procter and Gamble. Oh which yeah, is like, yeah. which is like Johnson. Like my dad, like won't let us buy Johnson and Johnson products. <laughs> like it's just so funny. It's like in, it's insane. But anyways, oh, I I had to tell you. Um, have I ran? Well, one time this is actually kind of a fun fact. I went to the Kids Choice Awards when I was younger. Uh, so I've, I've seen some celebs, but it's never been like a real run in, but it was really cool because the sort of, they bring in kids that are attempting to be child actors and musicians and things like that. And that was not really me, but my, one of my good friends was. And so somehow through some connection, we got to go and it was really cool, but we, um, followed pink in as she was singing get the party started like in the very beginning of the show and then we got slimed with pink slime at the end <laughs> so but it was cool. it was it was very cool but it was like a very similar situation where and I was also really young so I couldn't even put words together to say 
like, oh my gosh, wow, I really love you or whatever. And Pink was awesome. She was super nice. She was like talking with all the kids, but I couldn't really form words. So I wouldn't say it's an interaction, but more of like a, you know, a, a, a gr- like I saw her. <laughs> she was close to me. It's so weird, right? It's almost like, I, you know, in the dreams where you can't run or scream, like that's what it felt like. Like I was just like, do something. <laughs> Which is funny because I don't really think of myself, at least now, I don't think of myself as someone like, you don't assume that you would be that way. You're yeah, like, oh, no, if I saw a celebrity, it wouldn't be a big deal. I'd be super, super cool. But then for whatever reason, if you haven't grown up around them or like for me, I didn't live in L.A., I didn't live in New York. So seeing someone with a name like that it was like, oh, yeah, silence. Celebrities <laughs> never came to Wisconsin. Like they were in the state and we were like, there's a celebrity in the state. <laughs> like Nowhere near us. But so I get it. Oh, come on. You got Aaron Rodgers. I don't really... See, I feel like I run into Aaron Rodgers, and I just feel like, ugh. Why? I don't understand. You're not a sports person? No. Oh, that's sad. I freaking love going to sporting events. They're so fucking fun. I like to go to sporting events, but I just don't, like, care. Like, I like the... (laughs) I like the atmosphere of the event, but, like, I don't... I don't know. Okay. Maybe, I don't know, who knows? Maybe I'd run an Aaron Rodgers and it'd be different. But when I saw the people from the I'd Bachelor, give him a fucking... I, I think I'd be... I think I could be, like, hold my composure, though. Like, I saw the people from The Bachelor and I was like... Da, 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 da. But I think I'd see Aaron <laughs> Rodgers and I'd be like, oh, what up, bro? Ta-da-da. Yeah, you could care less about Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> but Jordan Rodgers, you'd lose it. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, Rachel sees... <laughs> I'm going to lose it right now. Rachel sees Jordan Rodgers all the time. All the time. It's really not exciting. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty lame. I did see, who is the, um, that one bachelor, he's got blonde hair, and he ended up with the shorter girl. They live down here, too. They come in sometimes. Yeah, I think so. Wait, who? Sean Lowe and Catherine. I think so. I think so. Do they have a bunch of kids? Yeah. I just feel like he's the only blonde bachelor that I can think of on, off gonna, the top of my head. Probably. Oh, yeah, because Lauren, you're, I'm gonna you're Google in the bachelor it, franchise, you know. right? I am, unfortunately. It's like one of those things that I, I very much am, but I, I almost hate to admit it. But then if I talk with someone else who's into The Bachelor, like everyone I can. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, who else? Yeah, Rachel... it's absolutely, it's absolutely Sean Lowe. Damn it. You see him all because Rachel Lindsay is down there too. And then you go oh, to Chris I don't even know who that is. Brewery. So, so the thing is what I find, because we, we actually do see quite a few celebrities. So like, we'll get like the top running back. This is still not how you say it, but like the league's, you know, best running back will like come in and like people will tweak out. Um, and you can usually tell it's them because they're just like bigger than life. Um, and then it's always so funny because I'm so tiny. So I like to be like, what do you need? And they're like, socks. <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> Anyways, um, but then some of the bachelors will come in and like try to go incognito. And I'm like, relax. Nobody really fucking cares. But apparently if it was Chanel, they would. Yeah, I would fucking maul them. I'd be like, hi, can we take a picture? Yeah. Can you hold your hand? Are you still single? Who's that? 
Chip, Chip and Jojo, they once, I think they once, like, closed down part of the mall oh, to be able to shop. So, like, sometimes celebrities will do that. I work at, like, a very, very high-end independently-owned mall that um, it has, like, a ton of, like, private, privately-owned works of art. Like, it's almost like an art museum. It's really cool. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it's really, I don't know, I really... When, when I first was like, oh, I need, I want a job on the side. And I used to work for Lululemon Corporate. And so I love the community that they create. And I was just like, oh, I don't know anyone in Dallas. Like maybe I could get a job there just, in t- just to like get into the community. And when I went to this store, it's like, it was the perfect storm of like things that allowed me to bring life coaching to the store and all this stuff. But when I walked into that mall, I was just like, what the, this is so cool. And like the people who own it, they um, changed, like there's these floral arrangements and fountains. And it's like every month they totally change it up, which I don't really want to know where all that old stuff goes. It probably gets trashed, but it's just, it's be- absolutely beautiful. So Actually, um, people cool. come, yeah, people come to the mall to, it's like an experience, it's like a place that you go to see some of the art and stuff like that. So, yeah, I remember when and I this is in, oh, in Dallas. Oh, in Dallas. Okay. Yeah. 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 In Dallas. Yeah. Cause I remember when I came to visit you and you're like, I mean, I wanted to just see like the Lululemon store just because it's fun and I'm weird like that. I'm just like, where do you work? Let's go see it. But then you're like, let's walk around yeah. the mall. And I was like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like the, there's a big statue in Milwaukee. Um, and there's one of those statues pretty big in the mall or like in the store that we were, that I work at is like gigantic. Huge. So. Wait, is it's it the, very are you talking about the calling? The, the calling, yeah. Yeah, there's a red one in the mall. Oh, I don't think and I it's not called the calling, but yeah. Hello, hello. Rachel and I are so excited. At the end of July, we are going to be teaming up with Her HQ to host Your Body's True North. This is a 75-minute movement and reflection workshop to reconnect and strengthen an authentic relationship with our bodies. We only get one body in this world and it can actually be pretty easy to forget how incredible it is and how much knowledge and intelligence it has inside of itself. So through self-inquiry, embodiment, and connection, we are going to find the innate wisdom within our body during this workshop. We would love to have you all join us July 29th. Check out our Instagram for more information or go to her HQ. Back to the podcast. Yeah. Okay. Should we introduce Lauren? Yeah. <laughs> that was a transition. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our additional voice on the podcast today is Lauren McAllister. And Lauren does all the things. Not only is she co-owner to McAllister Training, which is an amazing fitness studio here in San Luis Obispo that does a ton of functional training and I swear you all do like the most unique but like effective movements um, that I've seen like I love the programming that you all come up with Um, but Lauren's also a marketing content specialist over at MindBody where she shares her knowledge with other fitness studio owners She's a nutritional therapy consultant, and as you mentioned, born and raised in California and also a fellow Bachelor fan. 
which is very important when you come on the podcast in my eyes. So welcome to the podcast, Lauren. Thank you. Yes, I am definitely, uh, I, it's like, I hate saying it, like I said earlier, but dude, just hang out with Janelle a little bit and she'll force you to be a, a fanatic about the bachelor franchise. My, I wasn't either. Yeah. Um, well, it happens. It happens so quickly. And the funny thing is like, I, I don't think there's anything I enjoy more than when I talk to a grown man about the bachelor. Oh my God. Um, and they, I love my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, my, my husband watches it. We watch it together. And then even with some of our instructors at our studio, it's like these huge men and I will have like 10, 15 minute conversations. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm talking to a guy and not a, a 24 year old girl. It's just, it's too good. Dudes love it. Like they're all in the closet. Like I like that too, because they're all just secretly in the closet and they love it. Like every boyfriend, husband, they're all like, hiding behind the couch and they're just like popping their head up and they're like oh what's this what, what's happening oh why why is Kaylee doing that again no Gosh. way dude <laughs> All the no time. way dude Dylan had a, a bracket this year yeah see Dylan With that's what I love about Dylan though he friends. owns it yeah he's like I'm into it but like so many of the guys are just like what I don't know what's happening oh my god I can't believe Kaylee and Whitney are fighting again she's always doing that <laughs> I'm like you love it just own it yeah. Uh, it's good. It it's is terribly good. So good. Okay, I'll stop talking about it. we haven't talked about The Bachelor in a while, also because I haven't been watching the Listen to Your Heart, so it's kind of out of my mind. But thank you. Yeah, I haven't either. I'm I'm not really interested in that whole I'm not thing. either. I'm actually a little disappointed in it, but that's okay. I mean I haven't even watched it, so that's pretty unfair yeah. to say. <laughs> I'm disappointed in the concept. <laughs> Well, it just seems so obvious because at this point, I think the majority of us know the people that are coming on here are coming on to get Instagram followers. And it's like, okay, that's cool. We all get it. But this is so obviously that, that it's like, it's too much for me, you know? I agree. I don't know. I still never submitted. I was going to apply to go on it. And then I never submitted my application. So it's like, I don't know. I think you still absolutely should. Yeah, I no, know. please do. That's what I, said. <laughs> I need to live like in my RV and really, then they'll really like me, and then I'll get shipped. Just do both. Steam. Who cares? Oh no, I definitely. I mean, I could definitely do both, but I know. But I got stuck on the question like, why do you want to come on? And then I was like, oh fuck, <laughs> I'm here for the wrong reasons. <laughs> for well, an experience like it- of a lifetime, that's actually true. Yeah. And I honestly, I think too, if you, if you just answer honestly, look at this other crap spinoffs they're creating. So maybe you'll be perfect for a crap spinoff. That's true. (laughs) You, you're not pure enough for the regular, this crap spinoff. You're perfect. (laughs) You'd be perfect for this crap spinoff we've been thinking about. I don't know. I feel like even if you said I'm here for the wrong reasons, they'd be like, oh yeah. Okay. You and everybody else. Yeah. Well, that's what I said. I think I would go on and become the villain. Like, I would either be, like, the really funny, quirky one, or I'd get the villain role. And they'd poke me. They'd poke all my wounds, and I would come out (laughs) as a villain. (laughs) That's what I think would happen. My God, Janelle, you're in such a dark place right now. (laughs) I really am. Anyway, so let's talk about a relationship (laughs) with our body. (laughs) Let's transition. Oh, my God. 
It's been <laughs> I, will, I will not come out of quarantine the same. Uh, so I'm excited. I'll, like, I'll give a little background on the invite, um, especially with Lauren, because Lauren and I, we know each other. I don't, and I was trying to think too, we must have overlapped at Mind Body a little bit, but I didn't really know you from there. Um, I know you mostly from the studio and from, um, so Jess was on in season two and Jess is friends with you and she has a Bunko group. And I remember at some point, because I'm such a fucking eavesdropper all the time, I'm like one of those people that listens to all conversations. So just a warning, I guess, to the public. Um, and I, I heard, like, I think I overheard you, heard you talking about how you had this passion and then like, I think you wanted to speak at Cal Poly or something like that. So anyway, I heard this and I was like, Ooh, that's my back pocket. And we've been having on the podcast, a lot of conversations about our body, um, on the fitness industry and when the fitness industry can become too much. Um, and then we also just recently did a workshop on our relationship with our bodies. So I was like, in the back of my head, I was like, okay, Warren, she should come on. This would be a great conversation um, to hear your perspective on it. Yeah. No, I I love this topic so much. And I've been known amongst my friends to sort of go off on this topic because um, I'm so passionate about it. And so this is such a perfect opportunity for me. And I'm so grateful to be a part. Um, so yeah, a little bit about me. So like I said earlier, I, I grew up in Southern California and, uh, I grew up with two older brothers. So I'm the only girl in my household, youngest of three. And I grew up in a really great household. My parents are incredibly supportive, um, very traditional in the sense of, you know, my dad worked, my mom stayed at home. Uh, you know, it was a pretty easy childhood. I'm super grateful for them, but it was interesting. I feel like at about age 10, maybe 10, 11, I started to notice that my body was changing as most people, you know, most people's bodies do change. And, uh, we used to call, my parents used to call it the Conover pudge stage. My maiden name is Conover. And so yeah, at about 10 or 11, I did start to notice like my body was changing. I was a pretty lanky little kid. And then I sort of started to gain a little bit of weight and I, you know, looking back, I look at pictures and I go, oh my gosh, I was, you know, a child and I was getting ready to grow. But at that point, I remember being or becoming really aware of my body and what it looked like. And so um, I think that's sort of when it it started. So I sort of had this complex of like, oh, I don't look like my other friends. Um, my, you know, I had a bunch of friends that were really tiny and they still, you know, were, were children. I mean, we all were, but so they started, um, or I started to be really cognizant of that. And it's funny because there's not a lot of details that I remember. There's not like a moment I remember of me becoming aware of my body and being like, oh, I don't love this. This doesn't look like my friends or what I want to look like, which was, you know, in those days, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera. Um, but I was like, oh, I'm not blonde. You know, my hair is sort of like this reddish color. It was different. And I'm not blonde. I'm not really tiny like all my friends. And, um, I remember this moment where I went over to my friend's house and I, I, <laughs> it's so insane now, but I remember taking over a slim fast as like a 11 year old 
to her house for lunch. And I, and I think about that because it's such a defining memory for me where I'm like, I look back and go, what in the world, what were my parents thinking? What was I thinking? But anyways, I'm probably going a little bit too into the weeds there, but I remember that was sort of the start. And I was never really into athletics because my older brothers were involved in literally every sport, hockey, soccer, baseball, football. I mean, you name it, they did it, lacrosse, everything. So I was constantly being dragged to different sporting events. And so I had no interest in, in being outside and running around. Um, I did play a little bit of soccer, whatnot, but never competitively. I was never really aggressive in that sense. So I sort of found my home at a dance studio and I started dancing and I started noticing my body changing and I was losing a little bit of weight. And I think in my head, I thought, oh, I'm losing weight. But really, I think I was just growing and, and going through puberty. And so becoming a longer version of myself. And it's interesting because I think of all my years in dance and competitive dance, and there's so many sparkles and costumes and I never wanted to show my stomach. I was always really insecure about my stomach. Um, Just little things like that. And I think, granted, this was so long ago, but it's so important because I think it started this sort of trajectory of being really insecure about my body. And in high school, I think it started to continue and continue. And I started to sort of work out more. So I found a new home in. in the gym. So I would go to the gym every night, uh, after school and I started seeing results. I was just doing, you know, elliptical classic, um, intro to the gym workout. So I was, I was doing a lot of cardio and a lot of abs (laughs) and it, it sort of, it, it started out really innocently and then it really sort of progressed into something that was more and more intense. My eating became more restrictive. I became more, um, specific with my schedule and working out. And I would, I, I, again, another one of those like little tiny memories, but I remember thinking a friend texting me saying, Hey, let's hang out. We're going to move to the movies or whatever. And I was at the gym going, no, of course I'm not going. I'm at the gym. I'm going to get my workout in. And it sort of spiraled as I went to college, it spiraled into more and more and more and more of an addiction, really. And so something that started so innocently and can be such a good thing for me became this really, really difficult time in my life and probably took up, I mean, thinking back, probably 15 years of my life, 10, 15 years of my life where I was feeling really insecure in the way that I looked. And I had a horrible relationship with my body. And I was trying so hard to change it. And I was always reaching, reaching, reaching to be, you know, this specific weight. I remember telling my now husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, and we started dating very young. I was 17 when I met him and we started dating at 18. Um, And he is the most incredible human being. He is incredibly supportive. He has never once made me feel bad about the way that I look. He has only ever supported me in and made me feel good about myself. But it's funny how that doesn't really matter when the relationship you have with yourself is so horrible. And I wouldn't say it was to the point where it was like obvious to other people. You know, I mean, I think if people complimented me, they would compliment me on, you know, how I looked or whatnot. I would 
I would store that away and I would kind of, that would give me fuel. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about body image and talking about this kind of thing, because I think the more people compliment other people's bodies and, and focus on the physical part of you, the more that you think that that's where your worth lies. And it's just not. And I'm now at this point after years of therapy, tons of inner work where I can look at my body and say, you know, this is what it is. And I don't know if I would say that I'm in love with my body. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get there. I think the idea of self-love and and body love is such a beautiful idea. But for me, I think right now I'm just focused on being kind to it and recognizing, you know, that it's different from maybe what I wanted it to be back in the day and it, that it is what it is. And it's, it's doing all of the things that I love to do. And that's really the most important. Now that was a huge, that was like 15 years within, so good, I don't even know how many minutes I've been talking for a while. <laughs> it's so like everything you said, I, I feel like I can line up very similar kind of stories at a young age. Like I remember the first time I realized that I was chubby was in third grade when we had to weigh ourselves in class. And it was the same thing. Like I had probably never thought of a body before then. And then all of a sudden, I think I told this story actually in a different episode, so I'll make it quick. But um, there was like the overweight boy in the class and he had weighed himself and everyone was looking and he weighed a hundred pounds and everyone started to make fun of him. And then I weighed myself and I weighed a hundred pounds too. And like, that was the first moment where yeah, you just feel like that sinking feeling in your stomach of like, there's something wrong with me. And like, I didn't even, I mean, I'm sure I was maybe a little bit aware, but like that for me was the moment, like one of my first moments as a child of like realizing like you are not your body type quote unquote is like, yeah, in third grade is not what other people consider normal or okay and this is something to be made fun of not celebrated so I I feel like everything you just said I'm like yep my (laughs) very similar trajectory I was gonna say for me it was actually totally the opposite Mm -hmm. and so um I used to get called out and made fun of for how skinny I was and to the point where they would send notes home to my parents like in second grade of like you should be concerned about how skinny your daughter is. And so I, I had a really interesting experience with my body from a standpoint of like, I never, I I just always felt like people were paying attention to it and I didn't know what it was supposed to like, what it would naturally just be. But I was very aware of like, not like making sure that I wasn't too skinny. And so I never had inclinations of, like, I'm going to continue to work out to make sure that I look a certain way, even though I still have like, you know, quote unquote problem areas. Like, I don't like to show my stomach either. I was a dancer. Um, and like, you know, I have, I don't have a flat stomach. I've never had a flat stomach. Um, I've always wanted one. Um, but I'm, I'm thin. And so I was always, I always felt stuck in this weird, like gray zone of really wanting to like, I always made sure that I finished my a hundred percent of my meal, even if it felt like I was like totally stuffed because I wanted to make sure that people weren't concerned that I had an eating disorder or that I was starving myself. And 
and so then that swung into like I didn't binge and throw up, but I would I would just make it a very overt effort to like show people that I was eating, which would lead to like uncontrolled eating where like I would just eat like a whole gallon of ice cream. Like, and I never, again, my body just isn't one where it got so overweight that I never had to really worry about that. But I for sure have like disordered, I'm sure I have disordered, a disordered relationship with food and my body. And I'm just now at 37, like figuring out how to, how to love my body. I I had cancer when I was 14. So that also threw a wrench in it because I mean, I look at photos from when I was 14 and I was sick and it's like, holy shit. Like, I think I was like 85 pounds or something. And again, when I came out of that experience, they were like, you have got to eat. Cause you, I wasn't hungry. Like the chemotherapies and the radiations made me not want to eat. And then my dad would like force me to drink insure shakes, which are disgusting. Um, but it's calories, calories, calories. And then I worked at Ben and Jerry's and they were like, eat as much ice cream as you want. And so I just like, there was not this healthy conversation around what it would look like to, to give my body what it needed to listen, to be like, it's actually okay that your body is this way right now because of this, like none of that conversation happened. It was just, you're really skinny and we're concerned or like, yeah, it was always that. That's pretty much it. So I was then always concerned about like, is this too skinny? Am I getting to the point where this is too skinny? I should stop working out now. I I don't want to work out every day because that wouldn't be good for me. So I've actually, I just bring that perspective as like, it can happen on the other end um, too. And just, it's confusing and scary. (laughs) It's just mainly, I think the focus on the body, that's the problem, right? It doesn't necessarily matter either way it's that people are so focused on how other people's bodies look <laughs> yeah i love i love your call out of like it kind of doesn't matter i mean it does matter what the message is that you are living into and the big like meta view it's like the fact that the body is almost like the physical look of the body or what we perceive it needs to be or whatever the fact that that trumps us living (laughs) trumps us being experiencing our lives because we're so focused on that physical appearance. I just, I've really, that's like hitting a chord with me of like how much time I've wasted. And to this day still, like it's almost so unconscious that I'll like, I, the number of wasted thoughts and energy that goes towards me even putting effort towards how I look or what I, yeah, it's, it's like hitting a chord hard for me right now. Yeah. When yeah. I was in college, I don't know how much I've talked about this, but I used to compete in the Miss America pageants and like at the feeder level, they do local and then they go state and then full blown and very similar to this conversation, like in college, Lauren, you had mentioned, I was the same way. Like I really got into fitness in college and then basically became obsessed with it. Like my roommate and I would eat as little as possible and like walk uphill on the treadmill for hours every single day. Like we weren't living our life. Um, but a part of that 
and and granted there are good things about the Miss America system so I'm not like completely shitting on it but I just remember like the messaging that became very clear to me throughout my time competing was I would go in and do these competitions for local titles and I never won one like a lot of times I would place and I, I would ask for feedback um, because obviously you know your goal is to like win a title and be able to serve your community and be in this role um, and all the good things that come with it but the feedback I constantly was getting was literally basically well just like tone up your body a little bit and I remember being like so fucking pissed because they were there'd be different levels right like you do the interview you do the talent you know it's like swimsuit um evening gown which they've also gotten rid of since then which I'm I'm so excited about um for the organization but they would give out an award for whoever had the highest interview score and like consistently I'm gonna pat myself in the back but like I would get the highest interview score but then literally they'd be like well you know, you're the most well-spoken, which is really what you're going to go do is like speak out in the community, but mm, you should probably tone it up a little bit. So that's like really our only feedback for you. And I be like, what the fuck is wrong with, like, what is wrong with you people? Like you're looking for someone to be in your community, like serving your community, being a role model. And the only thing, like you're saying, I'm well-spoken and blah, 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 blah. And I have this passion. And the thing that you're telling me why I can't do this, which Obviously, these are limits I was also putting on myself. I could have done it in a different realm, in a different arena. But the only feedback you're giving me is that I need to tone up my body. And I just remember thinking, like, how fucked up is this for someone who's 19, 20, 21? Like, this is the message that the world is telling you. Anyway. Oh, my so gosh. It's kind of a rant. That makes, like, me so, <laughs> that makes me so angry inside. Because it's so, it's just, it's so telling of, it's not just like the Miss America. It's not, it's just, it's a broader problem. And I think specifically, and Janelle, to your point, specifically being in college, I feel like there's, it's crazy. I, that's why I was saying, you know, I wanted to go and speak at Cal Poly because I was thinking, oh my gosh, if someone would have sat me down, who knows if I would have listened or if I would be ready to receive that message but that's such a a specific point in your life where you have the opportunity to really go one way or the other. Um, and not to say that you can't go back and change, but you're in this, you have this opportunity to be on your own. You can make your choices, um, with what you eat, with how you're working out, with the activities that you do, the people that you hang out with, and you have this opportunity to really start your life off in a healthy way. And just for me specifically, I mean, I kind of had, if you looked at it from an outside perspective, I had it all together, right? I had a good group of friends. I wasn't really a huge partier. I went to class. I got good grades. I had this really solid relationship, but inside I was struggling. And Rachel, what you said, like I spent so much time hating my body and and for and trying to force it into this like crazy ideal that it was never going to reach and and I'm saying this from a body of like I don't live I don't exist in a body that is not accepted by society traditionally right like I'm 57 I'm about I don't know I haven't weighed myself in a while but 130 135 pounds like and this is me at like a healthy weight for me 
and I'm a fairly small person. It's like on on two sides of the coin. It's like on one hand, Janelle and I have kind of started to scratch the surface, acknowledging all like all the privilege, you know, and like physical privilege. It for sure is a thing, and it's like on one hand, yes, we are like our bodies for the most part. I could walk outside without any clothes on, and people would. I mean, I have a great body. It's like there's nothing to be for me to be so worked up about. And at the same time, it just goes to show that, and maybe this is the point that you were making, even when you have the body type that's more closely related to what's societally accepted, there's still a gap, a big gap, even there. It's like, so what, yeah, it's just, it's such a wild um, situation. And what came up for me as we were talking was like, okay, if there's this unhealthy focus on the physical body, I've loved following all of these Instagrammers that like Mick Zazen and the birds papaya, I think their Instagram handles are. And there's a few other ones that I, that I follow, but those two always come up in my feed. And I've been really appreciative because it's like, they're showing me the normalcy of like the things that I don't like about myself. It's like, Hey, guess what? A a lot of us have it. We're all fucking, we've all got it. Like, stop, stop trying to be a Photoshopped, you know? And at the same time, as we were talking, I was like, and we're still having a conversation. We're still focusing on the body instead of living. And so while it's important, obviously to like show the breadth of a, bodies that are out there and normalizing and like, thank you for some of these people who've been able to show me how fit models literally within two seconds, it'll be like a side by side of like, here's my fit, what I do to get my body to look like the fit, um, influencer, the fitness influencers. And then two seconds later, they turn sideways and they, they're bloated. And it's like as bloated as I am. And I'm like, Oh my God, what? I had no idea. And so, yes, that's helped me. And at the end of the day, we're still having, we're still focusing on the physical body instead of the bigger thing. So. Yeah, that resonates with me so much because I, to your point, I've followed those types of accounts. I've worked, I've worked with um, nutritionists and dietitians myself, which is funny because I, you know, I am certified to help other people with nutrition and I've sort of found this difficult spot. This is a quick side note, but I've, I've found myself in a difficult spot where it's like, I don't quite know how to help people in this way when I'm coming from a place of like, I don't want to tell you to restrict your food. I don't want to tell you how you should work out or how you should eat. It's more of, but people don't, people don't want that. They want the very specific, like, this is what I need and this is how I should eat and when I should eat and things like that. That was a quick side note, but to your point, yeah, I agree. It's like you, we're still talking about the body, even if we're saying, oh, this is me without Photoshop. Oh, I have cellulite. Oh, I have, you know, I have rolls. I have what, whatever it may be. We're still focused on their bodies. And it's like, I've had to stop following even people that are, you know, leading the way in the body positive movement, which I love, but it's like, can we just talk about something different? It's like, I had to sort of separate myself because I almost found myself addicted to 
that side of the coin. Whereas I was listening to these podcasts all the time talking about body positivity and how to, you know, and it was like, okay, I just need to like take a break and go focus on something else. Like, what do I love to do? What do I, you know, what, what are the things that fill me up that have nothing to do with how I look or what my body, you know, where my body exists? Well, it's, it is interesting too, because, and I'll parallel it to, I'm a life and soul coach. And so in the self-help world, it's the same thing. It's like, people are just like, give me the fucking book. Give me the 10 steps. I will master the 10 steps. Give me the, like, what is the thing that I can do so that I can be happy? I can be content. I can live this big fucking bold possible life. Like Jesus Christ, you know, sorry, that was whatever. (laughs) Um, but it's like, at the end of the day, um, the, the thing it's like, you can continue to focus on like that seeking the, the, the topic and you're, you're still getting taken away from the present moment. You're still getting taken away from the very thing that it is that you want to experience, which is living. Yeah. People just want to feel alive. They want to feel oh, this is what it's like to be alive in my body. I mean, I'm sure people would say something a little bit more eloquent than that, but really we want to feel alive and we are trying so hard to like find the area of our life and just like keep digging and digging and digging. Like self-help addiction is absolutely a thing, you know, where, and I will say for myself, like, I think I spent a good chunk of my early twenties or sorry, early thirties, um, so entrenched in like the next book, the next book, the next book, the next book, you know, so that I could have all the information so that I could finally feel what was right there. If I would have just put the book down, (laughs) just put the book down and just listen and breathe and like go smell a leaf. (laughs) And it's like, but truly, and you're saying the same thing. It's like, we're so focused on this food, not that food, the, 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 the drama of it that we're not just allowing ourselves to be here, be here. It's so simple that it's almost like it can't be that simple. (laughs) So I've been reading the book Untamed, which I highly recommend. And this is the last chapter I read last night before I went to bed and I'll shorten it down, but it's called Ghosts and it relates directly to both of the things you're saying. Essentially, she goes, when I was in my twenties, I believed that somewhere there existed a perfect woman She woke up beautiful, unbloated, clear-skinned, fluffy hair, fearless, lucky in love, calm and confident. Her life was easy, and she haunted me like a ghost. I tried so hard to be her. And then she talks about how in her 30s, she gave the ghost the finger. She decided to stop being, trying to be the perfect woman, but essentially, she swung the other way. And the problem was that she still believed that there was an ideal human, and it wasn't her. So like on both ends of the spectrum of being, kind of like you were saying, Rachel, you can either strive to be this like perfect woman. You can also say, fuck the ghost, but either way, the ghost is still there and you're still believing in the ghost rather than being, or the illusion or whatever you want to call it, rather than exactly just accepting that we're all just trying to live and we're just designed. Exactly. Like, yeah. I was like, I, sorry, we're I just read that last talking. night and I was like, yeah. fuck yeah. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. It's like... Yeah. Yeah. She basically yeah. ends the chapter and she says, I'm, I mean, and whether or not this is true, because I think it's easier said than done, but she's like, I'm now haunted by nothing because she accepts the present moment and like what the reality of it all is. I'm like, fuck. 
So good. But it takes, I mean, it takes really slowing down enough to be like, what am I actually focusing on right now? You know? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, yeah. I mean, yeah. And then I'm like, where the fuck, like, where else do I have ghosts in my life? Yeah, whether it's my body or like, I mean, there's so many things, right? It's either like, oh, you're leaning into this thing that you're trying to chase that isn't real or you're rebelling against it, but you're still there's still the ghost. I'm like, God, I probably have so many fucking ghosts in my life. Not real fucking ghosts that I want to meet, but I know. <laughs> like trying to but meet you can't ghost, meet the but... real ghosts. You can't meet the real ghosts because you're focusing on these other ghosts. Yeah, no, yeah. Janelle, it's kind of like the conversation we were having back and forth yesterday or the day before around like you've been somebody who has kept things really close mm-hmm. and not you know, overshared your vulnerabilities. And then you're like, I've been doing this writing and it's really raw. And do I share it? And you're like, I'm just going to share it because it'll help somebody. And I was like, on the flip side, oversharing can also be a harmful act to yourself. And so it's like, when we swing the pendulum from one side to the other, thinking that we're avoiding the thing, we are still avoid, like we're avoiding the bigger picture thing by coming at it from 180 degree other angle, but it's still there. Mm-hmm. and. And just being able to slow down enough to recognize like, okay, what's, what is the elephant that I'm avoiding? You know, am I dealing with its tail or I'm dealing, you know, avoiding the tail or avoiding the snout? Is it a snout trunk? Whatever. But let's just talk about the fact that it's an elephant and like, that's the worst analogy ever. So I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> I, I don't know. I connected with it. Okay, good. <laughs> um, I learned and that was really pivotal for me is in my probably mid 20s like I finally quote unquote got down to that perfect ideal weight that I was striving for in my mind and something that was really freeing to me and I think showed me the ghost in some ways was that like my body still didn't look like these bodies that I was striving to have and there was sort of a level of acceptance of like your body is your body. Like it, it's not that shape. It's not that size. It's not that whatever. Like, unless you want to start going under the knife and like doing plastic surgery, like this is actually what it looks like. And for me in that moment, I mean, not that I'm perfect at this by any means, but it sort of gave me this permission of like, stop chasing this body type that will never be yours. Like this is, this is your one body. and. Like, can you just be okay with it wherever it's at? Yeah. I, oh, gosh, I resonate with that so much. Oh, yeah. Before we, I mean, before we got married, um, and again, this was all internal, right? This was all fr- coming from me. There has never once been pressure or, I mean, from my husband or anything. This is all coming from myself. But I got down to a point where it was like, I got to that quote unquote weight that I had always like, I always, I mean, you could ask him and he would say, oh yeah, she was always wanting to be at 120. 120 was the weight. And I was like, if I just get to 120, then it'll be like, that'll be my perfect spot. Right. And then (laughs) then I'll be happy. Yeah. And it's like, it's almost like cliche because you hear this so much from people. And it's like, I don't know if I would believe it until I did it myself, but it was like, I got down to this this 120 magic spot, right? And it was like, it wasn't enough. 
Then I kept going. I was like, okay, well, you know, 118 feels right. And then one, and then it was like, I got down to like 114 pounds. I'm sitting at my doctor and they're like, huh, this is, you're looking a little small. I was at like an insanely low body weight. Like I had no period. My hair was getting thin. Like, it was like, what am I doing? What is this for? And, and it was at that point where I was like, I mean, and you could, you could have an entire conversation about how the, like the wedding industry and how people think like, oh, I got to be my perfect self for my wedding and da, 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 da. And it's like, I look back at those pictures and I go, oh man, I feel like I don't even look like myself. And granted, like it's probably, we're talking like a 15 pound difference. But for me, it's like, I had a hard time looking at that body to start when I started going through this whole process. Cause I was like, oh wow, I've gained weight. I don't, I wasn't comfortable with this like new quote unquote body that I had because I was intentionally trying to gain weight and sort of like get myself a bit more together. Um, but now I look back and I go, well, I, I feel like I walked down the aisle to the person I was staying forever with at a really unhealthy spot. Like I didn't, I wasn't at my best, best mental self by any means at all. And again, that could be like a whole other conversation, something I'm super passionate about. And that's why I will, you will never hear me saying things like sweating for the wedding or whatever bridal boot camp nonsense. Um, but it's just interesting because it's like you, you have this goal in your mind that you've like created for yourself, or I guess society has created for you. I threw out every like women's health magazine every I for like probably a year. I was like, I refuse to look at magazines because what they're telling me is nonsense and it doesn't make me feel good. And I'm not eating 1400 calories a day. That's the amount of calories a four-year-old should eat. You know, it was like, I just had to like take myself out of that whole as much as I could. Right. I had to take myself out of that to really focus on like, okay, I'm clearly not at a place where my body wants to stay and it doesn't like being here. So I need to kind of refocus, find this new normal of who I'm meant to be. Like who, where, where does my body like to be? Um, because I can't keep doing this. It's exhausting. And you waste so much time. Like we were saying, there's so many, there's so much brain power that goes into things that really don't matter. It gets me really fired up. And, and I know that so many people struggle with this and it's like, I don't know how to even, I don't even know if, I think talking about it is helpful. I hope that it's helpful. I think the more we talk about it, the the more people can resonate and go, oh yeah, me too. Oh, maybe what I'm doing is, you know, maybe I, I don't have a good relationship with my body and how can I improve it? And it's just, it's step by step. And for me, I know that it's going to be the rest of my life that I'm going to have to go through this too, because your body's going to change. Like I want to have kids one day. I know that that's going to change my relationship with my body and hopefully in a good way. Um, yeah. What, where did you, at what point were you like enough is a fucking enough? Oh, that's such a good question. Well, we, after we got married, I remember I, I think I just was like, there was like this moment, I don't know, it's crazy because I remember sitting in therapy like a few months after I sort of started to to kind of go, oh, whoa. Like it was like this awakening of like, what am I doing? I can't keep doing this anymore. Um, 
and I sat and I was sitting in, in a therapy session and my therapist was like, yeah, you kind of took yourself through like a eating disorder recovery, like on your own. Like you kind of went through this, like she was like, it's kind of amazing. And not to like prop, give myself props, but she was like, yeah, you kind of just, I don't know how you sort of like figure this out on your own, but I'm really happy that you're here for extra support, but you kind of went through the phases. And I think for me, it was just like, well, okay. I actually, yeah, this would be helpful. So we got married six months later. My husband was like, I'm ready to take my business to the next level. Now he was a personal trainer the entire time that we were together. And like that adds a whole sort of other layer to this, right? Because like, I have gone through this, like, I don't know if it's feeling guilty, but like, am I part of the problem? Cause I'm like, we're in this industry and it's like, am I part of this problem? Like I pose that question to myself. And I think we got married six months later. He was like, I'm going to take my business to the next level. I want to open our studio. Like I want to open this physical space. And I think I was so focused on my work and doing my own thing that I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Like not realizing the magnitude of that decision as a couple, it's not just a one side thing. Um, he brings sort of like like Janelle was saying earlier, the creativity and he's doing all the programming and he's sort of the face of what our business has become. Whereas my side of things is like the brand. And that always sounds so lame saying that because the brand is so, it's so intertwined with just who we are. So I feel even silly saying that it's a brand, but the marketing and all that kind of like back end business stuff that you have to have to have like a successful business and to grow it. And I think for me, I was like, I cannot be a part of this problem anymore. I cannot say to my clients, you have to just work out because you genuinely enjoy working. Like you want to work out because you enjoy it and you feel good. And it's not about the physical body and it's not about like, yeah, you want to get stronger and, but you want to do it not for the reasons of like, oh, I want to, you know, I mean, everyone's going to say like, oh yeah, I, I want to look, I want to feel confident. I want to look good. And that's totally okay. But I was like, I'm not going to be a part of this issue where I'm saying, this is how I want my clients to behave. And I want them to feel confident in their bodies and recognize that this is the body that God gave them. And they have to, um, celebrate that when I'm not doing that myself. So it's been sort of this kind of interesting dichotomy of being a part of the fitness industry in having a, a studio and having clients that are coming to us for workouts. But I refuse to say, this is how we want you to behave without doing that on my own, if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I, I hear that a lot of times with parents too, of like, I finally started parenting myself once I had kids and like, because I had to parent them and then I'd be like, oh shit, <laughs> if I'm telling them these nice things so that they feel okay with this, but then I'm going and berating myself behind closed doors, something's not matching up here. Like I gotta, I gotta make a change. Um, so I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, and what's coming to me is I'm in a, another coach certification program that looks at all different aspects of, um, of being, of being a human. And one of those things is exercise as a way of reaching your fullest potential. And they pose the question or they pose the idea that, um, of exercising actually being a way 
to understand your body, to understand the way your body moves and doesn't move as a way to almost, it's like exercise is the vehicle for you to better know your body, to better understand what works and what doesn't, what feels good, what, cause like Janelle and I might do the same things and what feels really good for me and my body doesn't feel good for her because of a plethora of reasons. And so I loved that almost flip of like, this is movement is an opportunity to understand your body, not movement is the end goal to look a certain way. I don't know. It seemed much more profound when I was thinking about it in my head, but, um, that's kind of what was coming up for me a little bit as you were talking is just, you know, there's one way of, of doing this, which is a means to, an. it's like, till I don't know. What am I saying? I don't really know what I'm saying. I think I'm processing no, I get, out loud. I, I get what you're saying because I mean, and I can speak th- for my experience, like it was a means to an end. I was working out daily, maybe even twice daily for years because I mean, and I would never have thought about this at the time. Right. But it was a way to control my body, to control my surroundings, um, to control. Oh, go ahead. As you say, it's like exercise was the thing instead of your body actually being the thing. Whereas if you look at it as like, this is one way that I can like, actually my body is the thing. And what am I doing to support that body? Whether it's like, what am I putting in it to support it? What am I saying to it to support it? What am I, what type of movement does it need today? If it needs any, maybe it just needs to be still. Um, Whereas the way society is built on like this idealized standard, it gets us to focus on the thing versus us. Yeah, no, that's so true. And especially with like, like I said, with the fitness industry, and just the wellness industry, it's like people are so focused on like what they should be doing instead of like getting to know their body and saying, like, do I enjoy high intensity movement? Like for me, I absolutely do. I really do. For some people, they do not, right? Bar, yoga, like for me, and I, I always feel so weird when I say this, but I will sometimes do yoga and enjoy it, but for the most part, it's not really my jam. Like if I'm going to do like a low intensity movement, I will go on a walk outside. Like that feels best to me. And I think the problem is people aren't thinking about what they one enjoy and two, what feels good. And they're not saying like, Oh, do I need movement today? Or do I need to rest today? And that for me, it was like, six days a week, seven days a week, like I was going to the gym and it was just like, I wasn't even thinking. It was like, this is my routine. This is what I'm doing. I wasn't even thinking like, Oh, what do I want to do today? Or do I want to work out? Not really. And it's like, that's okay. But unfortunately, a lot of these influencers, publications, whatnot are telling us like working out is what you should be doing. You should be doing it daily. It's what you need to do to be healthy. This is how you should do it. This is when you should do it. Like even going down to like, Ooh, working out in the morning helps burn more fat. It's like, Oh my gosh, that's insane. Do you enjoy working out in the morning? No. And don't, (laughs) it's like, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's so regimented. And I think, I think as humans, I think we like black and white, right? We like it to be 
you have, it's either this or this. And I think for me for years, I was like pretty extreme in that way. And I've, and I've kind of recognized like, oh yeah, there's this beautiful gray area and life happens in that gray area. It really does. It happens in that gray, like mm, kind of just flowing and letting it flow and not holding so tightly to one thing. And I think that relates to everything we've been talking about. Just yeah. sort of surrendering. So much the gray area. I'm always like, I like mm-hmm. black and white, black and white. Everything happens in the gray, Janelle, everything. It, to- it totally does. Yeah. There's this, um, do you guys know much about the, da- the Tao, Taoism? I don't, but I'm don't starting. I really am like fascinated by it. There's, um, do you guys know Dun- Duncan Trussell? <laughs> I'm obsessed with him. Um, he has a podcast and he's part of like the Joe, Joe Rogan crew. But anyways, I've started to just like listen to his stuff. And he was on the first episode of the Drunken Taoist podcast where they talked about this idea of um, when, okay, so society tends to be like, if we all went to the beach and we're watching surfers surf a wave and they were like, ooh, that looks so fun to surf that wave. And the surfer comes off the wave and then people are like, how did you do that? What did you do? And they're like, I don't, like, I can't tell you it's different every single time. Well, just tell us what the steps, like, what are the steps that you took? And so then the surfer is like, well, I guess I did this and I did this and I did this and whatever. And so then these people are either like, like trying to emulate that or trying to figure out the specific formula. So they're sitting, like sitting on the beach writing out the formula of like, okay, so first they did this and then they did this. And then they're like sharing that this is how you do what that guy is doing. And then when you go out to do it, the way the guy was doing, inevitably there's like things that happen. That means you, if you're just following that protocol, you aren't actually engaging with the reality that's around you. And so you aren't going to be able to actually ride the wave because you're not feeling the fucking wave. You're not living. And so there's this the people who are actually out on the fucking wave <laughs> working with it and like roll and like, Ooh, okay, there's this, and there's a patch of seaweed and there's a shark and like whatever else happens when you're riding a wave. Cause I've never done it before. Um, so you can be the person who's actually like feeling it and riding that wave. Or are you actually just trying to like, I want to look like that. And so I'm going to try to figure out how they're doing it. And then you're so focused on the steps that you're not actually ever experiencing being on the wave ever, which requires actually not thinking about all the steps, but actually being so connected to the moment that you can feel the subtleties and work with the subtleties and play with the subtleties. So um, Taoism is a lot of recognizing in the yin and yang symbol that the reason the yin and yang symbol exists the way that it is, is because nothing is actually black and white. And some days we need the black part to be what, you know, one tenth of a percent to the white. And some days we need the black part to be 40% to 60% white. And it's, it, there is no one set of rules. The same exact situation happening every single day for the rest of your life would actually be different because of the wind, because of the people, because of your mood, because of what you ate, all these things. And so if you try to apply the same thing to it every time, you're not living. You're not in the moment trusting in your ability to know how much, how much to give and how much to take, how much to act and how much to be quiet. Um, And so it's just coming up for me 
as we are, what I'm hearing is like, you know, finding another way of building a relationship to these things that we have um, created rule books around that are supposed to just be like, majority of the time, this will blanket work, you know, and now we're so focused on getting the majority of the time right that we never actually even get to experience how it would feel to to trust in the body, to trust in the experience, to trust in knowing that we would actually know what w- might be best for us. Um, so anyways, that was coming up. Um, and I'm super curious to dig more into that, that um, spiritual structure because um, there's a lot of, um, it's a very different way of looking at operating in the world. And it puts the onus right back on me versus on somebody else predetermining for me what they think based on a mass population is the thing that I should be doing, which when I say that, I'm like, holy shit, it's crazy. Presence and flow. Can I ask you both a question? I'm going to ask it anyway. That was... Yeah. <laughs> um, when do you feel most comfortable in your body? I can answer. It came up right away, which is crazy. Naked. <laughs> I Dude, love that's being actually naked. my answer too. That's so funny. But anyway, continue. I want to hear more. <laughs> I when I've been the most content in my body, it's usually when I'm wearing the least amount of clothing. Um, and like there have been times where I just want I wanted to run around naked in a forest, so I did. Or I owned a house in Minnesota and would just like walk around with like barely anything on. And I just, when I would truly relax, it would be like doing all the things I normally do. I'd just be totally naked. That's so interesting. I'm actually the same, same way though. Like there's something about it. Like it's like, I'm not, I'm no longer trying to hide my body. Like, and that sounds silly because I was like, we wear clothes for a reason and whatnot, but it's like when I have clothes on my body, it's sort of like, oh, well, do they fit? Are they like pushing something up somewhere? Da, 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 da. And there's something about yeah, the, like the nakedness of just almost like acceptance. It's just like, yeah, this is I agree. What it is, nothing's being pushed up, nothing's being like shoved to the side, nothing's being fucking like tucked in, whatever. But Lauren, what about you? Um, I think for me, I've gotten more comfortable being naked as I've gotten older, for sure. Um, I think for me though, I would say just being like, (laughs) like right out of the shower, putting on like a big t-shirt. Like, I think it's similar in the sense that it's like that free, like being free of like any tight clothing or like restrict. And I don't ever wear tight clothing. So that's kind of like a funny thing to even say, but even just like wearing a sports bra or like just being in like big clothes around my house, like no makeup on hair up in a bun. Um, just like being in like my home with like my partner who accepts me as I am with like zit dots, zit stickers or whatever, like on my face or like a face mask on. Like, I, I don't know, just coming to terms with just like a raw version of me. Um, I don't spend a ton of time naked, but probably much to his dismay. 
But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just, but I think it's a similar kind of vibe of just like not being restricted, just kind of like being myself in a in a space that I feel comfortable. Yeah. I there's one thing I want to call up before we I know we got to wrap but um I really appreciated I think Janelle you started to talk about it and then Lauren added or maybe vice versa um that even when you guys reach because I don't know if I've ever really reached my ideal weight it something always stops me um probably for the reasons I spoke about earlier but um when you said even when I was at my ideal weight or less the things about my body that I didn't like, I still didn't like. And I just, that has really, is really sticking with me because, um, I think there's a part in the back of my mind that I always wonder, well, if I had more, um, you know, drive like Janelle, cause truly, I mean, you and like commitment and perseverance, I know I have those things, but when it comes to working out, I, I tend to really compare myself to others and not feel like, oh, well, I just don't have the same level of commitment as, as these other people around me who are willing to like put in the work. And, and so a lot of times when I look at parts of my body that I'm like, oh, I wish that that could be better, but you know, I don't have the ability to show up to make it better. It's like remembering that even if I did everything perfectly at my perfect ideal, whatever my body is still the shape that it is. And that isn't bad. And, and where am I making those parts of my body be bad and then beating myself up for beating myself up for just having a body that happens to have like a curve here that other people don't have. And, and where is my ability to recognize that there's a whole shit ton of people who probably love that there's a curve there. And so anyways, I just really wanted to call that out because it's hasn't gone away since you guys said it. And um, and that really just it really stuck with me. Um, So thank you for saying that to me, because I feel like I have a bit of a weight lifted off my back of kind of self hating around my inability to really like show up to fix this part of myself that's broken (laughs) physically, but actually that's just how my body is and it's not broken. And can I look at that as just, you know, the way that it is and can I love that? So I will also say we're going to hopefully, or we're trying to line up some people to talk more about like sexual wellness too. And while this is still somewhat outside of yourself, I think something I've learned that has helped my internal, like you said about, why this curve here and like some people that actually love this curve like I think in I'm gonna open up a can of worms at the end of this I don't even know why I just started this but (laughs) maybe just to tease out a future episode of where we can talk about this but in like sexual wellness and having like someone else appreciate your body and like in turn you appreciate your body and realize that a lot of the things that you're being really really critical about yourself in like a lot of other people think are beautiful and so anyway, again, I'm like opening up a huge can of worms right now, but you just said that and I'm like, oh, there's so many things that I thought were awful and then realized that like people love about my body. And now that has allowed me to give myself the permission, even though I didn't need it from an external source, but it helped of just like, yeah, oh, this is beautiful actually. And I've been the one that 
has been making myself feel bad about it when a lot of people actually think it's beautiful. So can I lean into that first? Or even. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Or even like I asked Dylan the other day, I was like, have you noticed that I have more cellulite on my ass? And then he's like, I didn't even notice you had cellulite on your ass. And then I was just like, (laughs) and like, or like when other people will be like, oh, this thing about me. And then you're like, what? Uh, yeah, I guess. And so it, it even like, it doesn't even have to be as extreme as somebody overtly loving that thing. It's like, they literally don't notice it. <laughs> so, it. yeah. Totally. And then just remembering, oh, okay, I'm like getting in a spiral. Now we're at the end and we have to go. But I also like, this is for me and I'm saying it out loud and I hope it helps other people, but also remembering that your own words and your doubts and the things that you say about your own body actually matter. and influence other people like I've been trying to be really mindful about being like well I have this set or I have this or whatever because yes I do and the fact like we were talking about today calling attention to it or like saying something about it negatively even if I'm talking to myself that's modeling for someone else to think that if they have a zit or if they have cellulite or whatever it is that it that they should care about it when like if we, I mean, I'm going like full circle here, but if we just accept it and like not even like, yes, it needs to be talked about because we're breaking things down, but at the same time, just being really mindful about how we talk about it and how much we talk about it. And like, rather than just like, it's a thing, like, I mean, it's a thing, so it's not a thing, right? We, we don't need to talk about it um, because everyone has it and it's just like normal. Um, and again, like there are reasons why it's good for us to have these conversations because it's been swung so far the other way, but I just constantly have to remind myself, like if I'm feeling bloated or blah, 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 yes, it's normal. And if I keep calling attention to it, 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 where is it coming from? Is it coming from me feeling like insecure? And then am I putting my insecurities into other people that maybe never even thought about that as like something to be insecure about? So just like as a a reminder to myself publicly um, how powerful words can be. I'm just saying that. Yeah. And like, (laughs) that's okay. And, and like grace, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. like it's a dance and the point isn't that we never talk about this stuff because we're so accepted of it. Like, no, that's not real either. And so it's like, yeah, maybe there's a day where the zit is bothering you. And it's like, don't feel like you have to filter yourself like that to me where I want to get to is a place or what my intention is, is that like, if there's a day where it is bothering me, like I don't have to pretend that it's not bothering me. I don't have to overly worry about like, Oh, I can't say something because now this is going to perpetuate this. That's like, it's like, how can I just be okay with where I am right now? This is bothering me. I'm going to say something. I'm not going to over, you know, think it. And I'm just going to move on. Um, this is a part of life. This is not a conversation we now have to avoid. Um, and I think we're all trying to figure out that dance, that balance of like, where am I in the spectrum? Because we have created a society that is, for the most part, swung so heavily in one direction that um, I think we're all trying to figure out how do you know the pendulum is going to start to fall again. And because constant is change and as that uh, pendulum is adjusting you know we're all kind of figuring out our way through it which is sometimes going to be 
a pendulum swing in the other direction is some sometimes going to hit the mark right on. Um, but I, I do think it's a dance and I would never want it to be that we're not allowed to have the conversation. Um, but just that we are recognizing where the conversation is coming from. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important. And just one last thing that I have to say, because I do think it's important. Um, I love that idea of a dance because it's, it's, uh, it's so true. It's just, it's always going to be sort of back and forth and finding your way back in the middle and being okay with that sort of ebb and flow. One thing though, that really has helped me, um, sort of as I've gotten, gone through a lot of this work and understanding that this work is never going to be done, that I'm always going to come back and, and have to think through things. And, and like I said, that ebb and flow, but one thing that really has helped me is on those days when I'm in the mirror because we're all going to have those days where, yeah, there's a zit on my face or there's, you know, I'm feeling a little bit like lethargic and heavy or whatever that might be. I do my very best to get out of my house. Like I have to just like, okay, I'm going to put makeup on. I'm going to be okay with whatever is going on with me right now. And I'm going to get out of the house. And as soon as I leave my house, I feel so much better. And then next step is really trying to find the beauty in other people and beauty in the sense that it's not just like physical beauty, but like the beauty inside of them. And this sounds so cheesy, I know, but it's really helped me. I made a promise to myself like a couple years ago that anytime I saw something about someone that I admired or I thought like, wow, I really love their outfit. I really love their dress or I really like they have really pretty eyes like it doesn't matter who that person is and again like sometimes it is a physical compliment and I I'm I'm I tread lightly with those because the compliments that people used to give me about oh my gosh you're so tiny or they fed they essentially fed an eating disorder so I'm very careful with that but finding the beauty in other people has been such a it's like taking it off of me and putting it on to other people and help building them up. But yeah, I made a promise to myself. Anytime that I see something that I like, it doesn't matter who it is. It could be a barista. It could be someone I've never met just walking down the street. I always compliment them. I always voice that. And I think finding the beauty in other people helps you find the beauty in yourself too. And that could be like, I mean, it can range, right? I compliment outfits. I compliment shoes. I compliment eyes. And it's not fake. I'm not doing it just because I, you know, it's not like a Regina George, like I like your bracelet, but it, I really hate it kind of thing. No, it's like, if I feel that genuine sense of like, oh my gosh, I'm really admiring this person's, um, whatever it may be, even if it's a friend, you know, if I'm admiring like, wow, that was such like, you were so generous in that moment or whatever, like I voice it. And again, I know that sounds a little bit cheesy, but it definitely has helped me. And um, it's a promise that I've kept to myself and that I think I'll probably continue to keep for the rest of my life. Um, Not cheesy yeah. at all. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's like, like, Lauren, can you be around me all the time, please? I love seeing, compliments. <laughs> yeah. Well, but seeing what's right in yeah. others and voicing it, like nobody ever gets to hear that. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing what's right in the world, like you're cre- you're absolutely right that changes your perspective, that changes the lens from which you're viewing 
everything, which includes you. Um, I, I agree. If I can go out in nature and go for a walk, that is a game changer for me. And you saying that like reminded me of just like that simple thing of just, just go outside. And I love the ad, the added lens of see the beauty that, that is there. Um, thank you for that. It's beautiful. Yeah. And it, it's, it's always crazy though. It, it shocks me how surprised people are when you compliment them. That's what it's I'm like, saying. Nobody ever see, like, we're not going around looking at what's right in ourselves and others. Yeah. yeah. So it, it is a disruptor. Totally. And I think especially when it, like, it can be physical, but especially when it's about the person, their soul, like how they show up, that's when you really, people are like, whoa, you saw that. You saw something more than the exterior of me which we've had some conversations in the collective and like workshops about that and how it's funny because a lot of us get even more uncomfortable when it's like you're actually seeing me not just like the outer appearance of me but I will switch gears Lauren we end the podcast by asking the question how do you live your true north in one word This was so hard. (laughs) You did prep me, so I had time (laughs) to think about it. Um, And it's not a sexy word, but it's very true. And it kind of ties in perfectly with what we're talking about. Um, I'd say my one word is relationships. And that being relationships with others, with people around me, my friends, my family, my coworkers, um, our clients, the relationships that I've built with them, also my relationship to God and my faith and my relationship with myself too, you know, coming back to that always. And, um, it's, it's gotten me to where I am and I hope it continues to get me, you know, to where I want to go, wherever that might be. Um, and yeah, I'd say, I value relationships over everything. So that has definitely held true in the workplace. You know, I, I focus on that and, um, I focus on that at our studio and it's, it's worked out thus far. So I was going to say that too, like give you all a little shout out if you know, you're in charge of brand. And I think one of the most beautiful things about McAllister is the relationships that you build with the people that go there. It's definitely very authentic. You can see it come through. And also, thank you. Yeah. I go for Rachel. Also, re- relationships is such a solid answer to that question. Mm. <laughs> and it is totally sexy. And I love it because I, I it's just so interesting how the way that our guests answer is like always tied somehow to like some th- some aspect of what like I feel like Janelle and I are going through too, like collective consciousness or something's going on. But just the idea of being in relationship with things um, and recognizing the give and take, I think it's a, it's a very dynamic um, answer. So thank you. That's cool. And if people want to get a hold of you just to continue the conversation, or maybe if they're in San Luis Obispo or visiting, if they want to check out the studio when things start to open back up, or even, I know you guys are doing some live streaming. I don't know if that's available to everyone, um, but what would be a good way for them to get a hold of um, you or even the be able to check out the studio? 
Totally. Well, you can go to McAllisterTraining.com and that's one C and one L in McAllister. People are constantly adding that double L. Every time. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. But yeah, so McAllisterTraining.com is where you can find, you can find me, you can find our studio, you can find our classes. Yeah. We're doing live classes right now during our closure. As we start reopening, we'll continue doing some live stream classes as well as some modified in-person offerings too. Um, but my email there is just Lauren at McAllisterTraining.com. Um, and we're everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, um, McAllister training and yeah, I'm all over everything. So if you ever need me, you could literally email any email. You could email my husband's email or hello at or my personal, and I will probably get it and respond. So I'm easy to get a hold of. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, thank you so much. You're awesome. Yes. Oh, thank you. Well, it's been it really it's been an honor. I this is a topic that, as you can probably tell, I'm very passionate about. So. Thank you for asking me to be a part. I really am grateful. Of course. This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. And if you liked what you heard, please consider leaving us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Until next time. <laughs>